0: Good evening and welcome from Benell Street Art Center. We're situated on the sovereign tribal lands of the Ninotic Village Tribe, lands that have been cared for for thousands of years, since time immemorial by the Indigenous people of this region. I'm Asia Freeman, Artistic Director of Benell Street Art Center, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Bunnell's October exhibit, Fragile Domestic. This exhibit of five Alaska women artists roams a literal and emotional landscape exploring the female perspective within domestic spaces and the artist's relationship to materials, women's work, and expectation. I'm so delighted these artists are here from near and far in this Zoom room with us this evening. Welcome Amy Meisner, Sonia Kelleher Combs, Karen Lowell, Hollis Mickey, and Susan Joy Share. And welcome to everyone else who's in the room with us. So thank you. So I'm gonna turn it over to you all, you fabulous artists. And I think I'm just gonna say, um, as I do that, that Amy has really been the ringleader of this group, really extraordinary um, energy and vision and organization. She came down from Anchorage with her daughter Astrid to install the show a few days ago. And Sonia and Susan came down to bring their work and install. And Karen mailed hers from Colorado. And Hollis tucked hers into Amy's car. And it's all here.
1: It's all fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Asia. Thank you so much. Um, I will go ahead and just say a little bit um, about the impetus behind this work. Um, this was a process we started two years ago. I think this is when we first started chatting about, um, coming together and exploring some different themes around domesticity and, um, craft-based materials and women's work and, um, seeing what we could make together. And right now, showing during this era of COVID. Um, and exploring domestic spaces during this time, when we are all so entrenched in our domesticity in this strange way, uh, has been has felt profound to me. So, um, so I'm really grateful to have this opportunity and to show with these women who um, I really care a lot about. And I will say right now that um, pulling this together was for really selfish reasons. I wanted to learn from these other women. And um, and even though I had envisioned many dinners and uh, many bottles of wine, um, and there were a couple, <laughs> um, we, did, <laughs> we, um, we did have to have a few Zoom meetings um, here in the home stretch, which felt a little different than what I had envisioned. but um, But it's here and it's, it's really beautiful. And we made a thing and it's gorgeous. So um, what I'm going to do, I think, is um, go ahead and share my screen and, um, and let everybody talk about their work. Um, and then we'll go ahead and, um, I don't know, Asia, should I, should I show everybody the gallery now or should I do that at the end, maybe I'll do it now and at the end?
0: Oh, on- I'd, say, I'd say do a little twirl if on top of the uh, that little box we have on top of the piano. Apparently
1: I'm on top of the cardboard box, which is on top of a, my um, a baby grand piano. <laughs> so I'm going to spin this around so that you can see the inside of the banel. And my daughter is crouching very low so that you won't see her, but she's right here with me, which has been such a, a joy for me to get out of town and get out of the house and for doing this work
0: there it is with susan on the far right and continuing through her book on the pedestal and then you see amy's work and hollis's tarot deck karen's tent on the floor um shoot just a second there we go and we're back to a little grouping of Amy's work and ending with Sonia on the pedestal behind her in.
1: Yeah, that. So I'll go ahead and share my screen and um, you see I've been practicing sharing my screen, so let's hopefully it'll, uh, it'll work. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start here. Everybody see that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Um, yeah, so um, this is work that, you know, when we were installing it, um, it's amazing how many things crossed over and how many thematic images kept appearing, um, chairs and houses and dwellings um i think that um thinking in terms of the domestic space brings up a lot especially for women there's reference to ritual and reference to home um, and this reference to expectation um, what society expects of us as women and what we expect from ourselves and there is a tension where this these two things intersect um, and then diverge and intersect and diverge. Um, we'll start with Sonia's work. Sonia, if you want to talk about your work sure. and, and then just tell me when to to go to the next slide. Okay. You ready? Yeah.
2: So first I'd like to uh, thank Amy because Asia is totally right. She was the driver of this of this. Um, piece. I hear some sort of music or something.
3: Yeah, in
0: the I want to ask people as they join to please mute. We just had somebody join and we just need to have your microphone muted. Thank you.
2: Okay, thank you. Um, and um, for those of you who aren't familiar with me or my work, I am an Alaska native. I'm a Nupiak and Athabascan and Irish and German artist, uh, visual artist, um, and I do work about place and, um, and re- really am honored that Amy included me and with all these lovely women, but, um, often using materials, both uh, natural and synthetic materials, mostly talking about, commentary about where I come from, who I am, my family history, things like that. And, um, really, um, a lot of times talking about, um, personal and, um, kind of cultural struggles, identity, um, colonization, um, our relationship to land and nature. Um, And so this summer in particular, the work is very different than I originally had intended um, for this exhibition, I decided to, um, I was at, um, just like everybody else at home, and actually I'm at our fish camp right now in Kasilof. Um, I've been here the entire summer. I've gone back to the city of Anchorage three times this summer um, mostly for my dogs to get groomed um, so which is a really important thing to get a grooming appointment uh, my husband's been cutting my hair actually it's just, he's not too bad but um, um, so uh, is there a feedback you guys getting feedback no? Um
0: we might get a little bit
2: but don't worry okay. about that okay so This first series um, is called From the Body and I began collecting my hair on March 13th, which was the day after the first um, case of COVID in Alaska and I started doing these drawings. Um, I call them drawings, they're on paper, beeswaxed um, paper with um, my hair. So I'm not the only one in our group I think that's been losing hair um Amy mentioned it as well so I'm sure it has to do with stress maybe not being able to see my hairdresser often enough etc cetera, etc cetera. but um, you can go ahead and go on to the next one Amy so this is a shot I took just for um our card for the exhibition so every single day that I took a shower so I didn't take a shower as often as I normally did because I was at fish camp so I don't have as many as 204 drawings but a hundred of them are included in this exhibition um you can go ahead to the installation shot Um, so there they are in the corner there Um, really interested in just you know kind of memorializing this time that we're spending um, and um, really kind of feeling very isolated and the one thing that was really lovely is that where we live here in Kasilof, my sister has a cabin next door and my parents have property next door as well. So we had became a larger bubble than a lot of people, I think. But because um, my sister has a bunch of kids and my brother has kids too. But um, really thankful for um, being able to have that time and kind of commenting on, you know, um, spending time making and stitching and I think that's one thing that all of us have in common in this exhibition for sure is the use of um, time-honored traditions, things that we learned from our mothers or grandmothers or sisters or aunts, Um, things that um, we were talking about yesterday when we were doing the install with our masks on, um, how at the time when we learned all of these things, maybe we didn't appreciate them when our mothers were making us darn our socks or learning how to bead or skin sew and things like that. I didn't, I know myself didn't really appreciate that until I was much older um, and employ a lot of these techniques and materials in the work that I do today. So in the foreground is a piece um, called uh, Closed Secrets or Sealed Secrets. And it's a series I started uh, quite a long time ago. I had done like maybe three or four of them. And I wanted to revisit it because it's just basically a commentary about, you know, the things that happen in your home. um, And the things that people don't talk about. A secret is something that is hidden and repressed and uh, unknown. And um, I feel like the more we talk about and open up, we can heal from a lot of these traumas that happen within um, these domestic spaces. So that's, that's kind of that piece there in the foreground. It's made of, um, Goat and um, rabbit fur, and all those little points on there are all pins that have been pierced to hold the um, the opening closed. So, can we move on to the next one. I'm talking really fast. My face is getting warm. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is just the detail shot, um, the glamour shot, I suppose. So you can see there, the shape itself is actually based on um, uh, the uh, Inupiaq tusk form that is found often on um, parkas, Inuit and Inupiaq parkas. And that's where that original shape came from and became something else um, as as I worked on that series. I've been doing secrets in a variety of different forms for, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. So go ahead, you can move on. So this piece, Tether, is from um, a new body of work that um, started this summer um, called the New Artifact Series, where I'm collecting things from the land and the sea that are basically discarded and a lot of times maybe garbage. Um, And I've, so my husband actually found this this rope and um, it would be used to... um, tether a a boat or, you know, in fishing. Um, So this is more of my hair that I've been collecting since COVID that I stitched onto this rope, kind of reclaiming it and uh, bringing it new meaning. A tether um, is often, you know, the the main meaning behind, uh, if you Google tether, it's a tether, something that holds, um, an animal um mostly and but it also can be um and the way i'm thinking about it is it's something that ties things together binds them together keeps them together um and um fastens and connects and i'm thinking of the roles of like my mother she was the one who always kept everything together for us you know and my grandmother and the roles of, of women in, in the home and outside the home as well I mean, because way I think about this is it's not just about the interior space because of the way that I grew up. We have to be stewards of so many other things, the outside space as well. So, um, and that's, those are the pieces that I have in the, um, the exhibition. So, thanks. Anya.
1: Karen.
4: Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm uh, zooming in from a little town in Western Colorado. And it's so good to see everybody. Thank you for being here. And thanks especially to Amy and these artists and Asia Freeman for making the show possible. Um, There was a moment where I didn't know if I was going to be able to be in it. And due to their patience and kindness, I pushed through and uh, sent a single piece to the show. Um, I moved from Alaska to Eckert, in April to be closer to my parents who are aging, and uh, the move dredged up all kinds of stuff. Um, I know that when I left Alaska, I was kind of scrambling to make a living, and now I'm currently working as a a part-time minimum wage worker at a variety store, and it's been really interesting to shift schedules. Um, So this piece was, I, I, I made this piece long after I should have made a decision about what to make, but it took a long time to come to an understanding of what was authentic um, and good for the show.
1: Erin, I'm gonna show the, the full piece, okay? Okay, sure. So when I got
4: to Colorado, I had enough time to kind of realize how much I rely on travel and moving. Um, and I, I really do think I am a nomad. Uh, The piece is called COVID Nomad. Um, I tallied up how many places I've lived in since I was born, and I'm 58, and I've lived in 40 different structures, in addition to traveling a lot and camping a lot. And camping was kind of a core thing for my family growing up. It's a portable mobile structure. You can take it down really quick. So this is really just a two-man pop-up tent. Um, In reflecting on all of the traveling and especially during the COVID times, I moved right at the height of the pandemic. It was April 19th and landed here and realized that I was going to have to stay put for quite a while and I wasn't going to have the luxury or the, even the resources to travel like I like to do. And in a strange way, being stuck in one place has allowed me to travel through memory and time, not just my own stories, but those of my parents, They've been so talkative. And so I've heard many stories about their upbringing and even my grandparents. Um, The tent itself is made out of scraps of cloth. I'm a cloth hoarder. Uh, Before I left Alaska, I got hired by the Cook Inlet Housing Authority to make COVID uh, face coverings for the residents of their housing projects. They've got folks in assisted living homes and low income housing in just group homes. And the the folks there realized that they kind of had an obligation to take care of the residents who weren't that fond of the idea of wearing masks um, in part because uh, they didn't have access to them. And in part because there's a little stigma about putting something over your face. And so see how basically built a contract. And I made more than 300 masks since January for them, I would send them off in batches of 50 and then see how distributed them uh, among the residents. And because they were free for the residents, they did find that people did want to wear them. So I was cranking these things out and of course saving the scraps. So all of the colorful border of the tent pole sleeve and then the base are from the the remainders of that um, job, which felt very, methodical and real to me during the time of transition from moving. Um, I had something to do during the day that felt productive. It didn't feel necessarily like art, but it felt functional. And, and, and I was contributing to something that I do think is important. And at the same time, um, my brother shipped a box of fabric that belonged to my grandmother when she was raising her children in Brazil. My, my grandfather was a, a Lutheran missionary in the 30s and 40s. So I got a box of little dresses that grandmother had started. I got some flower sack cloth that she just never made anything with. Got some pillowcases. I got a bunch of little lace handkerchiefs. And my mom, who doesn't sew anymore, said, oh, I've got a bunch of cloth you can have. And so I've got scraps from dresses that she made when she was younger. My brother-in-law and my sister were cleaning their basement and they found the box that had my sister's wedding dress in it and she didn't want it. She was going to throw it out. And my brother-in-law mailed it to me and said, make something with it. Just, we don't care. And so I ended up making a tablecloth, which was a kind of an interesting conversion, but I had all of the remainders of the tool and the satin and the underskirt, And so there are pieces of that, um, that project in this tent also. And, um, I think in even a way, it's a little bit of a knot. I got, I did get married in March right before I left the state. So, uh, and it's just a, it's just a straight lift from a two-man tent. And then, Amy, if you, can you advance to the interior? So while I was thinking about all these travels and where I'd been and where I would like to go again someday, um, there's a little, there's a little Apple Shed up the road. It's called Fritchman's and they sell produce and stuff. And they also have a little, like, a transfer station for people that can drop things that they know are useful, but they don't want them anymore. And um, I don't know, it's maybe a month ago I went by there, and there was a little handmade wooden box with a hand stenciled title that said "World Maps" on it, and it was full of National Geographic maps from all over the world. And so I extracted the ones mostly from the United States, places that I've been to and have lived and have traveled and did a big collage and scrubbed away with gouache um, places that I haven't been yet, but kind of left alone the places that I have been. And so that's the floor of the tent. and. It's a little dreamlike to me. Um, there are places that are duplicated. There are places that are very large that then occur very small. And so it's been, it's been a good project. It was um, it's late in coming, but I'm really, really glad that I pulled it off and that I was invited to be with this group of people. So that's all I have to say about that piece. Thank Thanks. you.
1: It's beautiful. Thank you, Karen. So, yeah, also I'll talk about um, the work that I did for this show. Um, And I'll start by talking about materials. I think it's really important to to explain this a little bit further. Um, By going back a few years, um, I think it was 2015 or 14, I started a project that lasted over a year called the Inheritance Project and I was crowdsourcing vintage linens from people all over the world. I had a really active blog at the time and people were reading it and, and seeing that other people were sending me these things. And um, so then they sent me things and and that, that project ended up being um, an exhibition um, at the Anchorage Museum and at the State Museum. Um, and it very much felt like a project that had a beginning and a middle and an end, which was great. Um, but I still have so much material. This project <laughs> Bins and bins and bins of material, um, which is amazing. It's, it's amazing to me that people, mostly women, but some men too, um, would, would take the time and the expense, I mean, there were people who were sending me boxes that had the labels on them that said $80. You know, they just, just packed it full like a Pillsbury like and fresh dough container, right? So you'd open these boxes and things, linens were just <laughs> exploding out of them. Um, but what I, one thing that I had like this huge collection of um, were embroideries from embroidery kits. And some of them were cross stitch and some of them were needle point And we were all in this um, AIDA weave. And for those of us who learned how to embroider, um, there's a certain amount of of PTSD that comes along with learning how to embroider, especially from um, a Scandinavian family member (laughs) or a German family member or someone who is very um, militant in some ways about how things need to look, particularly on the backside. and so this, this is the very beginnings of a piece that I will show you here momentarily on the, um, in its entirety. Um, these letters are all um, hand applique wool, hand-turned, hand applique. I knew that um, we were going to be going on a trip, um, my husband and I, we, two years ago we went to Iceland and Um, did some traveling in Sweden and also in um, London. We spent a little bit of time, but I knew I was going to be on trains and airplanes and I needed a project that was going to be portable, um, something that was all pretty much handwork. And so I spent a lot of time planning as best I could before we left um, and cutting all of these squares so that I would just basically be putting, (laughs) putting text on these small squares. And so what you're seeing is the very beginnings of this, this piece called um, Shadow Self. Um, the substrate for all of these letters are these embroideries that I was just talking about. Um, however, I used the backside of the embroideries. Um, this is this is the part that you're not supposed to see, right? This is the messy part. And this is the part where the threads are skipping across um, from one color to the next, or they're big knots, or or it's perfect. You know, there, were, there was such a range of styles and um, intention with regards to all of these embroideries. And some of them were really beautiful. Um, some of them were really Mundane, you know there were lots of um big headed babies with you know big eyes and lots of teddy bears and building blocks and um, you know the kinds of things that you would see in nurseries. Then there were also um a lot of flowers and um, just motifs that I feel like I remember a lot from my childhood. My mom was very interested in doing these little jiffy stitchery kits, they were really inexpensive. It was a big deal for me to go to Hart's fabric store with her and paw through the bin of all of these Jiffy, Jiffy stitchery embroidery kits. Um, So I have a real soft spot for them. And every time I find unused embroidery kits um, at the thrift store, I always get them. My mother does too, and she is Um, on a mission to actually finish them all and embroider them all. And I am on a mission to keep her from doing that. So I keep collecting them for my own reasons. Um, So this is the piece in its entirety. And this is a close up. So you can see um, these shadows, right? That's what happens when you look at the backside of an embroidery, these shadows that come through and you get a sense of what other side looks like and I've been thinking about this a lot with regards to my experience um, not only as a woman but particularly as a mother and thinking about what happens when you become a mother and in society you do tend to be othered in this way you don't quite fit in um, in some circles and the flip side of this the other stance to this is um women who choose not to have children there is a different kind of othering that happens from the mothering side and when i started this piece two years ago i hadn't really been seeing a lot of um what they're calling the mommy wars i feel like it's it's really ramped up during this um, period of time that we're in right now um it's not pretty like i don't know why women pit themselves against one another you know we should be caring for one another and supporting one another and still there is this this pitting of woman against woman and a lot of this um, that's wrapped up in this piece for me is um, that same kind of behavior that happens in the home itself Um, my mother in particular was raised by grandparents on a self-sufficient swedish farm and there was a lot of anger in that home and a lot of women in that home who um, took their anger out on her and on each other and um, that was something that she was determined that she was not going to do in in our household and so um she tried really hard to keep keep the peace moving forward in her own life So this piece is is about that experience. Um, These two pieces, first sample home, which is the black one and second sample home, the red one. Um, I also use backsides of embroideries. So I've turned them and I'll show you um, some detail images here in a moment. But I'm just really fascinated by that warped, a completely different landscape that you you get when you turn embroidery on the back or look at it from the back side. So I've gone in and re-embroidered over the top and um, made these two sister pieces. Um, I talked a little bit about my mother. Um, I'll talk about my father now. Um, A story that I grew up with that really lives inside of me is uh, the fact that his home burned to the ground when he was about the age of my son, who is, he's 14 now. I think it probably happened for my dad at some point between 12 and 14. And he remembers the principal coming to his classroom to pull him out and his sister and his brother were waiting in the hallway already. Um, some sparks from the chimney had set some dry leaves on fire that had gathered in the, the eaves of the house. And he was blamed for um, this house burning to the ground because when my grandmother ran out of the front door to turn on the hose, um, it was in the fall and the water had frozen in the hose and it supposedly was his job. He was supposed to drain those hoses and he didn't do it. And so he blamed himself. for this happening. And even though it didn't happen to me, I still feel like I live with that story and I live with that narrative. And I I know for him, my mother grew up in Sweden where candlelight, especially in the deepest, darkest part of winter, which is something that I understand deeply here, living in Alaska, is an important part of of the home and a ritual and of getting through the darkness. And so I would see him wince every single time she lit a candle. And so I know for him that, um, you know, these are the things that still live on for the rest of us when we see our parents have these reactions to different things in the home. Um, So that's what these two pieces look like up close. You get that sense of that sort of watery cross stitch um, in which I've gone in over the top with wool embroidery yarn that actually came from those old embroidery kits. Um, I always salvage that yarn because um, you can't get it anymore. You can't get those colors anymore. And so I'm, um, I'm hoarding them all um, for, for projects like this. Um, This is something completely different. Um, This is a series of tripping hazards that I made. Um, I was working on them not this summer, but last summer a lot. They were portable, and um, we were going on a lot of trips, and I was able to take them with me in a little box and kind of work on them. I absolutely hoard rocks from Prince William Sound, and these rocks in particular are really special. There are only a few beaches where we've found them. My family cleans beaches every summer and I never take anything from a beach unless we have cleaned it first. So we haul ghost nets and, um, fishing line and tons and tons and tons of single use plastic bottles and containers and jugs and just all kinds of weird, strange, horrible things. Um, But then I find these amazing amazing things like these rocks and um, I've been saving them and hoarding them for quite some time. Um, It is only a coincidence that they look like a coronavirus. This was something that I was working on last year. I absolutely had no idea that we were going to be in the middle of a pandemic. Um, There are a lot of things in this show that feel um, like premonitions in a way. Um, What I was trying to do with these, these pieces is address these objects in the home, right, that, um, that are lying around and that are potential tripping hazards, um, kind of like toys, kind of like memories, kind of like these objects that have a lot of weight to them, um, that stack up or that um, can be lined up in a way in different configurations. So this was really an exploration of materials and found objects and cloth, um, and stitch. Um, These are two other pieces that are also in the show and I'll just talk about them super briefly. This kind of technique is called a yo-yo, which I received a couple of these things during the time of that big project that I was working on um, and I really ignored them. I absolutely ignored them. I just thought what a ridiculous thing to make, a yo-yo quilt, like it's not warm, it's not functional, all it is is decorative, and the scraps put together are completely bizarre and weird and bordering on ugly most of the time, Um, until I started making them. And they are so completely addictive to make. Um, And so anyway, that's just, um, I love the repetition of making yo-yos. I'll skip back a little bit so that you can see, um, well, really briefly this piece called Cherry has stones from Prince William Sound in them. So it's very, very heavy hanging on the wall. Um, These other two pieces um, that I showed you earlier also have stones, but they also have mirrors. And so there is this um, glittery reflective quality, but then also this very um, absorbent quality with the stones that have Um, like the absence of light. So these are about coming of age and childhood and crossing that threshold from child to, well, girl to womanhood. So particularly with cherry, um, one of the things that I'm always trying to do on top of these older linens, um, what you see on the back, the border of that piece is taken from, um, I think it was a tablecloth, most likely it was a tablecloth. So that's all old cross stitch, that sort of buff color that's behind the old, the new stitching that's on the top. And one of the things I'm always trying to do is redraw and reinterpret these perfect, um, in this case, flowers and curves with something that is chaotic and um, intense and scribbly and it's, just, it's really hard to embroider a scribble um, but that was that was the driver for that piece um, to just have this chaotic feeling encroaching on this um, repetitive um, repetitive yo-yo here in the middle. This other piece called Lamb um, I actually made quite a while ago when um Harvey Weinstein was um, coming to the forefront um, of just his actions towards women. Um, And this piece is a take on the vagina dentata, which is actually a myth that exists in a number of different cultures. Um, I figured if I needed to explain to my daughter how to care for herself, um, this was going to be one way that I might do that. I think that is the last of my work. So it's up to Alice now.
3: Thank you, Amy. Um- Well, I I first uh, want to thank Asia and Amy. Um, Thank you, Asia, for this opportunity, for this group of um, powerful artists to come together. I feel so honored to be in their Zoom presence um, and have my work sharing a space with them um, in this time. And Amy, thank you for bringing us together from the start. uh, I know we're a little short on time, so I'll be brief. Um, I first want to acknowledge that I live and work on Danina Atlanta, so I live and work on Denina land here in Anchorage, um, and I'm grateful for the stewardship um, of the Klipna tribe for thousands of years of this place. Um, I uh, am an artist that works in text, textile, performance, installation, um, and often the kitchen, I think more recently, um, which is where this photo comes from. Um, but uh, Amy, we can go ahead and, and move to the next slide. Uh, my handwork practice is one that's inherited Uh So I learned about needles and threads from my mother, who is a very talented textile artist, also from someone who I see is here joining us, and my namesake, Hollis Stauber, um, who is a wonderful book artist and textile artist and artist of many kinds and activist in the world. Um, I grew up on a sheep farm in North Carolina, so I was immersed in fiber um, and have had a kind of obsession with hair and fiber and wool um, from a very young age. Um, And, you know, my mother taught me a lot about textiles, but I'm a self-taught embroiderer. And... um, You know, I think that there's some way in which sewing is transmitted through the body. And I I really believe that. Um, And so my my family is um, Moravian. Some of you might've heard that um, word in reference to missionaries that came here to Alaska. So um, uh, the Moravians have a long textile tradition, particularly of young women, embroidering um, as a part of their education. And, um, you know, for me, sewing is a way of learning and that is relevant. My day job is um, as the director of education at the Anchorage Museum. And it's also a way of making meaning. And when we look at the histories of women embroidering in in religious schooling, they were often embroidering images and ideas that they were meant to be learning about at the time of making. And this is something I'll talk a little bit more on the workshop on Sunday if, if you're coming to attend. Um, but for me, you know, this idea of each stitch being a, a part of a process of learning something and understanding something, and also literally embodying it. If anyone's sewn for a long time, hand sewn, you know that your body takes on the shape, right? of of what you're what you're creating. You're you're not only making the shape, but your you know you, your neck, your whole back, your arm, um, your whole body is involved in the process. So it's literally reshaping your body and your form as you're as you're making something as you're creating something in space and creating a form um and you know i think what's important there is that uh sewing for me is not just a process of inculcating or learning something that's been given to me but also reimagining the world um and uh i really think that this set of of cards comes from that place um interestingly actually after making these so the moravians have a tradition of the lot which is uh essentially a kind of Um, And that uh, that, um, magic eight ball is one in which um, you you pull a yes, no, or maybe essentially to help you with life ways. They also had divinatory cards that depicted the side wound of Jesus with different phrases inside of them that were used to help make decisions. So these cards are uh, called Tarot for Tender Actions. I embroidered them in 2019. So actually before all of this, they feel pretty prescient now. Um, So Amy, we can move on to the next slide. Um, This is something for you to read if you'd like while I just chat briefly um, about them. Essentially these cards, it's a deck of 10, um, are, are playing with ideas of softness in relationship to a call to action and how to be tender, soft, and also action, taking action um, in the world at the same time. Uh, So we can move on to the next slide as well, Amy. So the cards are directional. Um, They have meanings associated with them. I just have two here in this slideshow, so you can get a sense. And if you click again, Amy, the um, definition of this card should come up. So each of the 10 cards has a a short um, text that's associated with it that can help a seeker in understanding um, what that card might offer them as a set of questions and inquiries. Um, Just like how I teach, um, I'm not very interested in leading questions or determined results, um, but in indeterminacy and the learner or the seeker um, finding their own meaning in what's offered to them. So this piece, soft furnishing, features a blue chair that's in a lot of my work. We can go on to the next slide. Um, You can go ahead and share the definition for this one as well. Um, And so, in this uh, in this series, I'm very interested both in the technical aspect of embroidering um, the performative aspect of divination and um, the texts associated with them um, and i am planning to sonify these cards so i am currently working on some different music that will be released with a physical paper deck of these cards probably in early november um, through my Bandcamp page where i release my more Musical endeavors. Um, so, this just to show how the my process ends up being quite interdisciplinary. And I think that's all of my slides. Um, so, I, I thanks so much for listening to me share about my work. And, Susan, I'm so eager to hear you.
5: Thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank Asia for. wonderful space at Bunnell Gallery and the opportunity to show there. And Amy, thank you so much for bringing us together and for all your work in putting the pieces together for everybody. And I am honored to be part of this group with Karen, Hollis, Sonia, and Amy, and um, pleased to be showing my work. Um, Like many girls, I was brought up in a household with uh, traditional gender values. And it was especially apparent because I am one of five and the only girl. So it was me and my mom, and I learned embroidery from her at a young age and embroidered many a pillowcase and towel with family initials. Um, I also learned to be self-sufficient and independent and take care of others. And our family has really strong bonds and a lot of love and expressive of emotion. And my father was a major influence in that as well. Um, So this piece, I made it many years ago when I was in my twenties and I bought a rather ordinary shirt. I think it was a cotton long underwear and just did this meandering improvisational embroidery and it ended up having a kind of a mother bird and a baby bird going off of one sleeve there. And I wore it a lot and kind of wore it out. And then in this time of COVID, I've been like many of us sorting through possessions and what's important and what to save and how to you know manage some of those things we have. And so this has been stuffed and mounted in a way like a trophy of my youth. So it's from the great sort. I keep thinking about sorting as part of a big part of my process, of my artistic process. We could go to the next slide. I am a very much a materials collector. I have drawers and drawers of everything, fabrics, spools of thread, um, beads, and Things that I've been uh, carrying around with, with me for years. Uh, one of those items it was a, a large spool of suture thread, and somehow it became really entangled. And I kept trying to figure out how to get it to be, you know, usable, and it just kept creating a bigger and bigger mess. And I'm not sure where the compulsion to untangle something comes from, but I spent a lot of time trying to get lengths of this suture thread and rolling it, uh, winding it onto cards. And I did that for a while. And then at one point it was just kind of an impossible task. And I started cutting the rest of it into pieces, short pieces, and was able to form this piece, which is called Entangled. And it emerged kind of spontaneously um, as an, an image, uh, topographical, but also figurative. and layers of thread and sewing and paint and paper. We could go on to the next one. So this is a detail of the entangled piece. Next slide. I've been working on this series of pieces that are about no sitting and they're really about having a seat at the table. I think part of my training as a child was to learn to serve others and to not always sit down, but to be helping. And I think that my mother especially embodied that, that she was the server and taking care of everyone, making sure everyone had what they needed and a lot of times to her detriment. So. Um, having a seat at the table, not only in your own home and having a voice, but also in a broader context of having a seat at the table, being represented and having a voice. Um, The other thing I think about with these chairs is, we have a lot of chairs in our house here and a lot of them we don't use for sitting, we use for piling things on. So there's an element of that to these chairs just being occupied but not usable. And next slide. So this was the, the last no-sitting piece that I did. And it shows more of the process where I punch pre-punch holes for embroidery or stitching and then fill in various layers of collage. And this one was left pretty pretty um, unfinished in a way. Okay, next slide. So this piece I call embellished shmata, and for those of you who don't know, a shmata is a rag or ragged pieces of clothing in Yiddish. And um, one of my mother's many home kind of domestic projects was making these towels that hung hang on kitchen cabinets, and they're all they were all over our house growing up, and they were till the very last day before we sold our family home. There were towels hanging on all the cabinet handles and I used this particular towel um, a friend of mine gave me a bookbinding press and it was really rusty and it sat for a while really unusable and then I decided okay I'm going to clean that and cleaning has been a big part of my background as well So I read about how you get rust off of metal, and they said that you could use vinegar and kind of soak things overnight in vinegar. And because this was a press, I was able to soak the towel and press it in the bookbinding press. And it imprinted these beautiful rust patterns onto the the towel. So I washed it and the rust stayed. And I just kept the towel for a while, um, not knowing you know, one of my source materials, not knowing if I'm going to use it or when I'm going to use it. And then in preparation for this show, I started thinking about those towels and all the different kinds of home projects that my mother did that were really related to the kitchen or to sewing. So I just made this um, towel that hangs on a kitchen cabinet and it has paper sewn into the folds and there it's um kitchen parchment with prints from raw beets. Okay, next slide. Uh, This piece is called The Shape of Things. And as I mentioned, I'm a, a big collector and saver of parts. I make, in my process of making artwork, I try different shapes or sizes, and sometimes I'll make a particular item many times in pursuit of the one that's going to work as part of this project. So then I have stacks of unused shapes. And um, I didn't get to my studio in the very beginning when we were in lockdown here in Anchorage. It felt too isolated. There was no one out in the streets and the businesses were all closed. Um, And when I finally did go to the studio, I looked through these boxes and boxes of shapes that I saved in my files of unused shapes. So I created this book called The Shape of Things and I pre-punched and sewed shapes mostly out of paper, but some out of fabric to um, substrate papers and we can go to the next slide. And so this is a detail of uh, a photographic image with hairpins that have been covered with hog gut. I made stacks and stacks of those a long while ago and just have been saving them, using them in various projects. And as Amy was mentioning, you know, thinking about the front and back, and I think the book form is really a lot about front to back, recto verso and how those two things relate when they're seen together. Sequentially. Okay, so next slide. And uh, this was one of, one of the other first pieces I started working on in March. Um, we have a big garden here in Anchorage, and I'm really involved in just growing uh, all different kinds of things flowers, vegetables. Um, There's a lot of work. I've always been interested in like the physical labor of things. I love hard work and digging and um, so I'm always out kind of doing big physical projects as well. And we have things that wear out so this hose was no longer really functioning and I also had a big collection of these spigots from Box Wine and so I started thinking of them together and joining them together. And then uh, working in the yard with the artwork, trying out what it looks like in different places, installing it in different ways. Next slide. And this is uh, my last slide, and it's just what the piece looks like in the gallery. It can be seen in many different configurations. And on the right is a detail of the spigot with some uh, paper threads inserted into each one of the spigots. And it's about 72 inches high. So it's a life-size piece. And that's kind of, that's all I have to say. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Susan. Wow. Are bad. all back? Yeah. I'll turn this around so you can see Susan's piece in the gallery. Actually, I'll do just like a really, <laughs> oh. Starting to get dark now. Alice's work around the beam. Thanks, everybody. So Asia, I know we were talking earlier about opening it up for questions, not opening it up for questions. 7, um, Alaska time, does anybody yeah. have thoughts?
0: I think that um, we can take, if you guys are game for it, we could take maybe about 10 minutes of questions. And then I just want to remind everybody that this phenomenal show on um, you know, well, we'd all agree it deserves a lot more um, reflection and um, examination. And it's, it's just really quite remarkable. You all put together a gorgeous show and a really beautiful presentation. Thank you so much. You make us look very good. And uh, next week, next Friday, from 11 to noon, really looking forward to speaking with you all in this same space of inspiration and adaptation. It's a open dialogue that anybody can join very much like this one, but more focused on a and A with these artists. So, um, I wanted to thank, um, everybody. And wow, that's very special. Namita Wiggers has joined us. Oh my gosh. A marvelous curator and teacher. And, and you know, you guys are phenomenal. It's, it's marvelous to see all these, um, incredible people that you've drawn and that you've really referenced and elevated through, through your work. So let's take a few questions and just remember that um we'd like to go deeper in the dialogue um, on friday um, that's an opportunity anyway so anybody have a question we've got you guys have a lot of really marvelous comments about your show i don't have a question asia but
4: i have to say that as much as I dislike Zoom in general, this is the most fun opening I've ever been to. I love getting to hear from each of the people about the work, just the best. So much better than just, you know, a little scrap of conversation somewhere here or there. So I miss the wine, I miss the other talking and the laughing, but this is really wonderful in terms of the work and getting a chance to to hear from the artists. So terrific, great job.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for coming.
5: I'd like to have a shout out to my family, my four brothers and my cousin Dale um, from the East Coast to the Midwest and just really happy to see everybody. And I agree about Zoom that, you know, it's not ideal in many ways, but it's wonderful to have the opportunity to have people participate from afar.
1: So thank you.
3: I noticed a question come up in the chat about how we're sharing um, our processes um, because we, I think m- most of us talked about how we learned our processes, um, so I don't know if other people want to jump in with a response to that question. I, I can certainly do that, but I- I- I'd love to defer yeah. to us.
1: Yes. Go ahead. Us. <laughs> I think it was yeah. the question. Sure.
3: I mean, I think that for me, I mean, I've led a number of different kinds of uh, workshops as an embroiderer, um, and in passing on that particular hand skill. Um, In fact, at the religious school that I was the eighth unbroken generation of women to attend, it's an all-woman school that was founded in 1775 in North Carolina, um, and I have the graveyard next to it is full of my dead relatives. Um, I uh, was able to go and teach an embroidery class um, to the young women um, there after I had left the school. Um, and I feel like that was a particular moment of a very particular uh, synchronous transition for me. I would offer that if you're interested in learning directly from Amy or myself or Susan, the three of us are all hosting workshops as part of this. Um, exhibition and Amy and I are leading one this Sunday and Susan's leading one the following week um, so those are some other ways that we're we're passing on our our practices
0: thank you for reminding us all of that Hollis absolutely yeah, I believe there's still some, some spaces in these workshops symbology on Sunday and um, the scene at home which is Susan's uh, cleverly titled workshop on book art um, architecture.
1: So I'll speak a little bit about passing on skills. Um, I've had the privilege to um, teach mending workshops through the seed lab, um, which is part of the Anchorage Museum. And um, before COVID, um, I felt like those workshops were really ramping up. We were meeting monthly um, as as a big group. We had as many as fifty people show up one time. And um, towards the end, they're with their socks and their rips and their jeans. And um, there was always a, a, a thematic beginning. And um, whether we were talking about you know darning or sashiko mending. Um, I would give a little tutorial in the beginning, um, but what the most beautiful thing um, about that um, project um, when we were meeting in person was that I could show people, but then people would go off and sit together and help each other and show one another. So if people had been to a workshop prior or they had a little bit of embroidery skills or they had a little bit of... Um, skills already with a needle and thread or a sewing machine. Um, Karen would have all of her machines set up and we were just teaching people and it was amazing. Um, That has has shifted obviously um, and gone online. So there were a few online courses that I did in April and I'm doing some more um, in conjunction with North by North Festival. Um, I did one in September and um, I'll be doing one in October. I think it's the third Wednesday. Um, This next one is about landscape so we're going to be looking at the domestic landscape and thinking about quilts and sheets and pillowcases and all of these big you know landscape type cloths that we live with And then the third workshop is going to be um, about intersectional selves, and that'll be in November. And we are going to look at um, possibilities and limitations with regards to mending our delicates. These are um, bras and underwear and pajamas and all the things that we expect to um, be soft and dainty and yet um, have the expectation of performance and often disappointment. So um, we're going to be looking at that in November. So these are things that I hope to continue on with. I don't think that there is such a thing as sustainability without skill sharing, and I think repair and this culture of repair in the North, in particular, is um, is really valid, and it's really important that we continue showing people how to do this kind of work. What I have to say?
5: I'd like to chime in too about passing on knowledge. Um, teaching has been for me, one of the great joys of my career. I have taught uh, so many workshops with kids and adults in New York where I lived for 20 years and then here in Anchorage. And I feel it's just a joy to pass on my skills and my approach and encourage people to explore their own creativity and their own path in the arts. And also, that I've learned so much from my teachers, including my friend Paula, who's here from the East Coast as well. And um, it's just really great to share with so many people and draw um, inspiration from my friends, and teachers, and other, other artists.
0: Oh, thank I have you a, all. I have, a, yeah. I have a question for Sonia, if I can um, ask her a question. Um, I, I was really fascinated, by the way, Susan, it was great to see you here, um, and I love your work. Um, Sonia, it was, I was really fascinated by how you use the squares to mark, the passing of time uh, through isolation uh, and this very personal uh, with the hair on it. It's just fascinating to me. I'm wondering if you're continuing to do that through isolation and if there were other ways that you mark the isolation visually.